Today we're going to talk about, in our seventh week, we're going to talk about um, a subject that I believe is important. And I believe it's important to understand the balance. And how many of you understand, anytime you're taking a, a teaching, even in the Bible, we must always understand that we must maintain a balance in those teachings. Okay, uh, We must understand that uh, on, the, on the narrow road that we're called to walk, called the Christian life, the life of a biblical follower of Jesus, the, the Bible calls it a narrow road. And on that narrow road, on the right-hand side of that narrow road is a ditch. And on the left-hand side of that narrow road is a ditch. And if we're not careful, sometimes uh, as we're walking that road of this life, the life of a, of a believer in Jesus, the life of a committed follower of Christ, if we're not careful, sometimes we can find ourselves on the right, stumbling into a ditch. But then if we're not careful, we can overcorrect, and just like a car accident, we can overcorrect and we can find ourselves veering off into the left side of the ditch. Anybody want to give a word of testimony this morning? Anybody? No? But oftentimes we find ourselves doing something that when we're driving a vehicle, we call it overcorrecting. Overcorrecting. And so today my heart in this is number one, if you have not fallen into a ditch on the right of this or the left of this, is to give you more biblical truths and foundations to keep you centered and balanced in your Christian life. Number one. But secondarily this morning is if you, like me in a season of my life, had veered off into a ditch a little bit in this, uh, that, that we're able to correct it by getting back on the road. Not overcorrecting it by pendulum swinging over to the other side. In my lifetime, I have seen many people, and I would, I would put myself in this category in a season of my life, who got off into a ditch on one side of the road and they hated that ditch so bad and they reject that ditch so bad and this is not right and this isn't where, that they get back and they pendulum swing all the way across the road into the other ditch. And you're like, whoa, chill, man. It's like the kid who's raised and never, the parents, I heard this phrase recently and I, I love this, they never de-parented. They parented all the way and never got their kid ready for the real world. And so then that kid gets out in the real world and they went from like this ditch over here to like buck wild. Anybody, anybody know, let, let's not do word of testimony. Anybody know someone not yourself, that that's happened to by show of hands. Let's be honest. We're not judging. We're just discerning. All right. We're not naming names. Anybody uh, with me that maybe that could have been you? Yeah, that's me. Today's sermon title is this. Paul addresses the law. It kind of rhymes, but not really. Paul addresses the law. We're in Colossians in chapter 2. We'll get to our text here in just a second. To lay the framework, we have told you that the purpose of this book and one of the main purposes of this book, of the, of the letter to the Colossian church, was that there were false teachings that had crept into the church. Okay, So today what we're going to do, and, and, and kind of we've, we've spoken about them a little bit, uh, like just called them like a general thing. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what some of them were. We're not going to spend a lot of time uh, unpacking the false teaching. I'm not... 
huge on that. I am bigger on giving the true teaching uh, rather than trying to unpack much false teaching. But today, Paul is going to somewhat name some of those false teachings. And it's false teachings that you and I need to adhere and listen to as we in 2022... Uh, 2,000 years removed from this day and this age in in Colossian church, we still need it today. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 16. If you have your Bibles, follow along. If not, open up an app. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. Colossians 2 and verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. Don't get lost in the terminology today. Verse 23, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Lord have mercy. I mean, I I ain't going to get here yet. You want to throw what you think for a loop. You ready? These do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All the human precepts and all the human teaching. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom. Promoting self-made religion. And asceticism. We'll talk about what that means. And severity to the body. Doing things physically to your body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Verse 16 began with a word, therefore. In other versions, uh, so, that's a connecting word. Therefore is a connecting word. So is a, a connecting word. And that connects back to verses 14 and 15. Jesus has taken it out of the way, all of the requirements that were, all all the penalty that was supposed to be for us. He took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them. He triumphed over them in it. Jesus won. Jesus is enough. Jesus triumphed over all these things. Therefore... Today's text. Therefore, Paul addresses the law. Jesus, speak through me this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way. I pray that we would be sensitive to your teaching and to your leading 
this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want us to see, first of all, this morning as we jump, as we jump right in, a warning against tangible restrictions. A warning against tangible restrictions. Look at the first uh, two verses of our text this morning. We'll be in our text a lot today. Don't apologize for that. Verse 16, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival, new moon, or Sabbath. For the, uh, these are a shadow of the things to come, uh, but the substance belongs to Christ. These false teachers, those that had infiltrated the church, remember we said for uh, almost 30 years this, this would be a part of the, the church. Um, uh, these false teachers were pressuring the believers, the followers of Jesus, there in the town of Colossae, in the church at Colossae, to surrender and follow man-made rituals, rituals that were mandated uh, by those false teachers. These were required practices uh, that they brought down and would, would punish those who would not follow. That seems a little bit harsh, but it's what was going on. Paul here specifically mentions that they, were, that they were teaching things about food, drink, festivals, calendar celebrations, and the Sabbath. Now, we're not going to unpack all of those things today. Uh, but, but Paul says, listen, these false teachers are coming to you, telling you you have to meet certain requirements when it comes to food and drink, and you have to meet certain requirements when it comes to calendar and, and, and festival celebrations, and you have to meet certain requirements when it comes to the Sabbath. And he says that's not, that's not true, that, that's a false uh, teaching. And by the way, Paul pointing these out does not imply that he was opposed to observing certain things about food and about drink. It doesn't mean that he was opposed to uh, celebrating certain festivals and other events on the Jewish calendar. It doesn't mean that he was against someone taking a Sabbath. I mean, we just spent six weeks speaking about the importance of that. That's a, not a bad thing, but when those things become uh, commands, when those things become requirements, they become false teaching. Paul did not want believers, especially Gentiles, those who were not Jews, bound to these restrictions. And that was the ultimate goal of these false teachers. Many of these and most of these teachings come from the, the Jewish tradition. And Paul said, no, this is, we've talked about this many times, no, the gospel is not just for the Jew, it's for everybody. And so we need to take all of our Jewish traditions and we do not need to imply those upon the Gentile believers. In fact, we don't even need to imply them on the Jewish believers anymore. But we definitely don't need to imply them on the Gentile believers. So this is why New Testament followers of Jesus are not bound to any traditional Jewish dietary restrictions or drink restrictions found in things like the Nazarite vow and other things in Scripture. There were different uh, dietary restrictions we know uh, of pork and... Pork... Mm, I'll stop there. Um, but... Uh, let me just repeat that this is why New Testament believers are not bound to traditional dietary restrictions, uh, including pork, and um, especially on the smoker. I know that's, it's in there. I'm not sure what version you have, but in my version it says especially on a smoker. But Paul says this. Paul says that these teachings carry no weight in comparison to your new life in Christ. They don't carry weight when in comparison to your new life in 
Christ. Now, verse 17 helps us understand something. And we'll refer back to this a little bit later in the sermon, but I want us to see this. Verse 17, it says, These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The wording is difficult, but it helps us. And here's what it means. Those restrictions, the Jewish restrictions, many of them Old Testament Jewish restrictions, they were a mere shadow of Christ. They were not real any more than a shadow is truly flesh and truly bone. They were just a shadow compared to to Christ, compared to the real thing, the real Christianity that we now were able to focus on and these Colossian Christians had seen in the risen Christ. So Paul warns the Colossian Christians about restrictions that were placed on them that did not center around Christ. Now, before you jump into the ditch, that does not mean that there are zero restrictions in the life of a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean that. And we're going to address that in a little bit. But so, just so you don't get your mind wondering this morning, this does not mean there are no restrictions. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Secondly, I want to see this. First of all, this morning, it was a warning against tangible restrictions. Secondly, this morning, Paul warns the Colossian Christians a warning against misused visions. A warning against misused visions. And can we just continue in our text? Today, we're going to stay right here in Colossians 2. The very next verse, verse 18. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, not holding fast to the head, from whom the body, the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. And Paul moves on from his first warning about tangible restrictions, dietary restrictions, uh, following the festivals and all those things, which are not bad, but they are not requirements. He moves then to the second warning, and this time he centers on asceticism and angel worship that, was, that were connected to visions that people would have. Notice that the false teachers in our previous verses passed judgment on those who did not follow the dietary restrictions and the calendar restrictions and the Sabbath restrictions. Now in these verses, it says they disqualify you. Let no one disqualify you. A simple way to think about this is to remove someone for something, for breaking the rules or for not following their rules. Don't let them disqualify. These false teachers were disqualifying people or they were removing people from fellowship of the church for not following these rules. And what were these next set of rules? Asceticism. You're probably wondering what in the world is asceticism. It's not a word that we use on a regular, regular basis. But the word asceticism is a simple, strict way of self-denial with no luxuries or physical pleasure. Asceticism, a strict way of self-denial with no luxuries or physical pleasure. Sounds like my childhood. I'm just kidding. Okay, let me help you. Let me, let me bring it right down here. You ready? These false teachers were being more strict than the Bible. 
Let me say that again. And they were false teachers. They were being more strict than the Bible. And may I say this. Feel free to be as strict on yourself as you'd like to be. Be stricter on yourself than the Bible. By all means, that's your choice. Do that. Go ahead. But we have no right, zero right, to hold other people to a more strict standard than the Bible does. Listen to me closely, church. Hold yourself to as strict a standard as you'd like to hold yourself to. By all means, I'm for it. Go right ahead. But what these false teachers were doing, were they were holding other believers in the church to stricter standards than what the Bible teaches. And may I say this morning, may we not be guilty of holding someone else to a standard. I'm not going to call it unbiblical, because maybe it's founded in biblical principles. But may we not be guilty this morning of holding people to an extra-biblical standard. Once again, don't get off on the ditches. But stay, stay balanced. For yourself, in your own personal life, have all the extra-biblical standards that you want. By all means. If you want to say that in this house, uh, you know, we're going to be, we're going to, uh, let's say we're going to be um, so strict that like, you, girls, you can only wear turtlenecks. Hey, go right ahead, man. Good luck. Um, go right ahead. For you, go, go ahead. Don't put that on me. Lord knows. Don't put it on my family. Hey, in this house, we are only wearing, or we're only, we will not go Fill in the blank. Cool. Awesome. Don't do it. The Holy Spirit has led you to that. That is a personal standard and a personal belief. By all means, don't do it. I don't want to be a stumbling block to you. Don't do it. But do not hold me and your fellow believers and your brothers and sisters to that standard. So it wasn't necessarily the asceticism uh, that they were, uh, the, the, the self-denial, uh, the 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 keeping everything away from you and, and, and poor me and like physically like removing yourself from so much. It wasn't necessarily that. It was that they were holding the church to that. And so let me be clear. Once again, I don't think I can say this enough this morning. You can have, you could practice asceticism in your own life. Deny yourself physically. Do what you want. The Holy Spirit leads you to it. Man, I'm for it. Go ahead. But we cross a dangerous line when we begin holding other people to standards that should be personal to us. I believe I've told this story before, but I believe it, it, it bears repeating. I had a friend of mine uh, back in the day. We used to get together, and I'm not, I'm not big into this anymore, but I used to watch a lot of uh, UFC, a lot of MMA uh, fighting. And we used to get together, and we used to watch those on Saturday night. It was great. I was an assistant pastor. We would have, have big get-togethers on Saturday night, stay out till 2.30 in the morning watching MMA, and then wonder why no one comes to church on Sunday, but it's all good. Um, but we would go and watch these fights together. And I used to invite uh, this, this, a friend of mine 
Every time we had one, hey, man, we're going to be watching it over so-and-so if you want to come. We'd love to have you come hang out. In fact, I knew the reason I invited him is because he used to train in MMA. I knew he used to train in it. He used to go to a gym and get instruction on it. And he was uh, very knowledgeable of, of the sport. So literally every time, I'm like, hey, man, we're going to be here watching the fight. You want to come? And every time he would come up with some excuse or he'd just simply say, no, I'm not going to be able to make it and, and whatever. And after however many times of me inviting him, finally he came to me privately and said, hey, man, I need to let you know why I haven't been to any of the fights and I probably won't ever come. And I was like, all right, cool, man. Like, and he was like, yeah. He's like, so you know I used to train? I said, yeah. He said, well, my trainer and all of the guys that I used to train with were also the guys I used to get my drugs from. And he said, for me, in my personal life, I equate MMA and training and fighting. That brings me back to a place in my life that I never want to go back to. Two things. Number one, praise God for discernment and wisdom from the Spirit and for not, not taking his liberty, not using the grace of God as a license to bring him back into sin. Praise God. Number two, I never, ever, ever, ever again invited him. You know why? Because I'm not going to be a stumbling block. If I know that, it's like, it's like inviting an alcoholic out for drinks. It's actually hateful. And so I learned something. I learned something that day, and, and, and to his credit, he never put that on me. He never put that on other people. He never made that a public stance. I'm against this, and you should be too. Absolutely not. He privately said, hey, this is why I won't come. I just want to let you know. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the way we live our Christian lives. That is the way we are to live them. Hey, you, you invite me to go do something that I'm uncomfortable with? That's okay. I'll say no. And if you really want to know the reason why, I may have a really good reason. Why I say no. And that reason, here's the cool thing. It applies to me. And it doesn't apply to you. Thank God. Imagine if we had, if everyone in here had to abide by everybody's little personal issues that they have to put in their lives. And can't do this and can't do this. Man, we'd be confused. I mean, can I get in my car? Do I have to enter through the back door, the front door? Can I take a left up here? Like if the, the light is yellow, do I speed up? Do I slam on brakes? Like... By the way, the answer is always, never mind, I won't say we got some police officers in here. Um, <laughs> anyway, Andrew, cover your ears. Um, but uh, I'm just, anyway, I just hope we never put in cameras in Durham. That's all I'm going to say. Um, okay, so I got off a little bit. Let's get back. So how was this happening? Now, he mentions angel worship. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on angel worship. I, I'm just taking this for granted. I don't believe there's a lot of angel worship going on in the congregation, right? I've not been told of any. Um, if there is an issue with it, please come see me privately. We'll talk about it. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that. But in that day, there was a lot of angel worship. Um, and I'm going to be good. I'm just going to stop. Um, but in that day, there was angel worship. So how was this coming about? Okay? How is this coming about? And this is important to see. Okay? How did they insist on asceticism and worship of angels? They went on about it in detail about visions that they had. Okay? So, here's the way it would go. 
Y'all get ready, man. Nathaniel, the Lord showed me in a vision that we aren't supposed to do this. Now, it's not in the Bible, but the Lord showed me. And so, you shouldn't do this. Because the Lord showed me that. Let me, I'm going to move because I need to move and I don't want to meddle here. Mm. I want to be very clear. Everyone who says that the Lord told them, not every one of them the Lord told them. Now, can the Lord tell them? Absolutely. And the whole New Testament, in, in Paul's letters, he talks about how to discern whether someone is true or someone is false. It's how to discern whether someone's real or someone is fake. But let me just tell you, not everyone has heard from the Lord has heard from the Lord. Sometimes people have heard from their own psyche. Sometimes people have heard from their own past experiences. Sometimes people have heard from a, a life they wish they could live. Sometimes people have heard from an from a angry mom or angry dad in their head. Sometimes people have heard from an angry pastor in their head. And so here's what was happening. Those false teachers were abusing hearing from God. That's what they were doing. They were abusing hearing from God. I could get up here today, and I know pastors that do this, and, and, and once again, I'm not questioning any of those guys because there may come a time where I do this. But they say, listen, I know this isn't going to make sense to you as a church, but God has told me and he's given me a vision that we need to fill in the blank as a church. Let me, can I say this? And this even if I get up and say that, we need to make sure as a church that we confirm that. That's why I have Jeff and... Mandy and, and Aaron and Julia and Tim and Carla and, and my wife, that's my first line of defense right there, to say, bro, I don't know if you know what you're talking about. Right? That's the way we operate. It's not my place as a, as a spiritual leader to abuse hearing from God. And these folks were having visions and saying, now you need to do this because of the vision that I saw. It's a misused vision. Certainly, God gives us visions, and God gives us words, and God gives us things to say to other people. And we ought to discern that properly, and we ought to use that properly within the local body of believers. But we ought to discern. We ought to discern. And just fair warning, when you invoke that, God told me, you are now speaking on his behalf. And if I can quote the great, great theologian, you need to check yourself. Before you wreck yourself, all right? So, so we've had some warnings. All right, we've had warnings against tangible restrictions. We've had warnings against misused visions. And now thirdly, a warning against strict legalism. A warning against strict legalism. Look at verse 20. We're walking through the text. If, if with Christ... You died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all referring to things that perish as they are used. Why do we, why do we submit ourselves to these according to human precepts and teachings? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. Man, Paul, he has a way with words, doesn't he? And asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value 
in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul goes for the jugular. He's like, I've already made you mad. I've already said this and that and this and that. And now let me, while I've got you down on the mat, let me stick my foot on your neck. One of the crucial elements of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the freedom that we have in Christ. Don't fall into a ditch. Real quick. This is not freedom to do whatever we want to do. Okay? But we have been freed from the regulations and expectations of the law and of other people. Don't fall into the ditch. But the truth is this morning that we have been set free to live unto Christ and that we, do, we are not bound to observing calendar events and we aren't bound to a strict uh, Sabbath as the Old Testament was. We are not bound to food and drink restrictions. We are not uh, bound to asceticism of, 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 of uh, keeping our bodies uh, just, just uh, away from things and, and keeping ourselves completely isolated. We have been freed from the weight of guilt that those extra biblical restrictions carry this morning. Child of God, you are free to move about the cabin. Ding. All right. You are free to move about your life. Child of God, you have been set free. You are free to worship Jesus. You are free to do so uh, with, without uh, coming under the laws of asceticism and from the laws of, of legalism, right? Which would add anything to the grace of God. That's legalism. Adding anything to the grace of God. Child of God, you're free. You are free to walk. You are free to live. Paul even says, you can take on these things. What does he say? Um, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Go ahead. That's cool. Like you can have those restrictions in your life. Go ahead. But he says they are of no value in actually stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, stay with me, those of you that went to Sunday school in church as a little kid. Stay with me. Don't jump into a ditch. That should have been the title of the sermon. Don't jump into a ditch. But let me make this quote, and I want you to hear it very loudly and very clearly this morning. You will never win the battle over your flesh by simply adopting stricter rules. Listen to me and don't jump in a ditch. You will never win the battle over your flesh by simply adopting stricter rules. You can place every man-made restriction and regulation in your life that you want to, but they will not stop your fleshly desires. Now, can they temporarily help to get your mind and heart off of certain fleshly desires? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can they temporarily aid in helping you overcome a stronghold and sin in your life? Absolutely. There are restrictions that some of us need to put in our lives. But make, make it very clear this morning. Putting a restriction on something in your life will not stop your appetite. 
It will not do it. There is one thing and one thing only that will stop your sinful appetites. You know what it is? Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And this morning, you can make a list a mile long of all the restrictions you're going to put in your life. You're struggling with your thought life. You're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. You're having uh, sexual uh, desires and feelings that, that you know are not right. You could put every single restriction that you want. You could put filters on your phone. You could take off uh, apps on your phone. You could take away your own computer. You could, you could do every restriction you wanted to. And you know what you're still going to have deep down? A desire. A desire. And this morning, may we understand, there are not enough restrictions that we can put on ourselves that are going to get rid of the, the indulgences of our flesh. The only answer is God's Holy Spirit transforming us from the inside out. It's God's Holy Spirit transforming us from the inside out. Don't jump in the ditch. There are times in our lives when we need restrictions. There are times in our lives when we need to put regulations up. But don't get me wrong, those regulations and restrictions are not the answer. If I can stay on that former topic, did you know men and women, red-blooded American men and women who have desires for the opposite sex, did you know that as a follower of Jesus, it is 150% possible to live in this world with access to everything that the internet affords you and everything this world affords you and still live like a child of Jesus and still live a life of purity and cleanliness? Did you know that? Did you know he offers you freedom and the freedom is not in an app that tracks what you're looking at? The freedom is in the Holy Spirit. The freedom is in walking in the Spirit. Paul actually makes that statement that they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You say, Josh, you said spirit, walking in the spirit, everything is it's about Jesus, Jesus is enough. How do you know that? I'm not going to read all back through our text today, but may I just say this in verse 17? He says the substance belongs to Christ. May I say in verse 19 that he says that these people were not holding fast to the head. The only thing that will stop the indulgence of your flesh is your substance being in Christ, holding fast to the head of Christ. May I reword it this way? The only thing that will stop, that will stop the indulgence of your flesh is living in the truth that Jesus is enough. He is enough. And so if you sit here today And you're bound under the law. If you sit here today, and whether by just the culture, the Christian culture, or whether by a parent, or whether by another family member, or you feel the weight of extra biblical restrictions in your life, may I say Jesus is enough. May I be practical and say, for some people that are specifically walking through a sin issue, you need restrictions, but they aren't enough. 
They aren't enough. Yeah, you need to, if you're an alcoholic, you should probably put a restriction on your life about where you go and what you do and who you're with. Absolutely. But that's not the answer. That's not the answer. You know why? Because to the alcoholic, there's still the next gas station. There's still the next ABC store. There's still the next party. There's still the next event. Right? It'll always be there. For the person struggling with, with, with their passions, misplaced passions this morning, there will always be that next woman. There will always be that next image. There will always be that next man at work. There will always be a next. And so restrictions can help. But true change is Christ. True change is the head. I apologize for my time. I'm going to make three statements and not comment on them. And I'm going to pray. You have my word. Tim, stop laughing. Tim, Tim has known me for too long. Brian, I don't want to hear it. All right, here we go. Uh, but in conclusion, some of this is repetitive, but I want to be clear. I am not advocating a life with no restrictions. I am advocating a life where the restrictions that you place come from a heart that is 100% in tune with Jesus walking in the Spirit. Fair? Sorry, I said a word. Secondly, I am advocating that the restrictions the Spirit leads us to adopt in our lives should in no way be forced upon others. That was the issue here. The false teachers were pushing these things into the church on other people. Freedom in Christ is both freedom from sin and freedom from man-made restrictions. But this freedom should push you closer to Jesus and not further away. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.